Let's talk Cincinnati Bengals roster building, starting with where to find a tight end, what they should do at wide receiver, and who we should be watching at this year's combine. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. I'm your host Jake Lisko. He's your host James Rapine. You can find this show on YouTube or anywhere you get your podcasts. We appreciate all you everydayers out there who don't miss an episode and everyone who's a member of the Lockdown Bengals Insider page. You can find it at joinsubtext.com slash Lockdown Bengals. You'll even get a two-week free trial. It's a place where you can text us directly and interact with us behind the scenes in a way that we will surely prioritize and get back to all of your messages and a lot of our questions in a mailbag today that's focused on roster building come from subtext and a lot of you had questions about tight end that's where we're going to start james and where and how will the bengals address the tight end position this year Kristen and Brittany at bengal brit on twitter both of these and fine individuals and bengals locked on bengals insider members have some questions about the tight end position are there any good tight end free agents we haven't talked about the tight end free agent class very much this year it seems like last year was the year that they could have addressed tight end one and bengal Britt says she's heard that this tight end class isn't as strong what are the odds of bengals get someone who hasn't played in the organization in free agency at that position and would they take bowers over a trench player if he got to 18 and that Hell was also yes. a question by the way from ashanti <laughs> b on on subtext sorry brock Bowers versus OT was also a question from Ashanti. Hell yes is the answer. Sorry, I just got excited. If Brock Bowers is there, you send Jamar Chase to the podium and he can do a little gritty on his way. And it's uh, it'll open up this offense some. You might even get a little Joe Burrow gritty in the process because that's an elite weapon. So if you could get him, certainly, I think he, they would take him over. Not every trench player, by the way. But is there a real scenario where they take him over Jerzon Newton, I, I could see that happening. And I, I mentioned Newton because I think he's a really popular option right now among Bengals social media. And it's still early. They haven't finalized this. So this is speculation to a degree, but it wouldn't shock me if if they went that that route if Bowers were there. I think it's unlikely that he falls. But absolutely. There's a if Bowers is there at 18, there are very few scenarios where he isn't the top player on their board based on what we know today. And Obviously, that's subject to change as it always will be during draft season. That said, the Bengals better, and I'm going to be very blunt, better prioritize tight end in free agency. Better have a plan to address it other than, ah, we can just throw anyone in there because we know they can't just throw anyone out there. It was glaring how bad it was, especially early in the season. And yes, Tanner Hudson came along. Yes, I think Drew Sample had his best year. And you're probably able to resign one, if not both of those guys. Maybe they prioritize Mitch Wilcox instead of, say, Hudson. I don't know. I don't know which route they would go. But you got to get better at tight end. And when I look at this free agent class, Jake, it's a lot of similar names from last year. Dalton Schultz, available again. He's out there. Hunter Henry is the one that's interesting to me. I know people 
might overlook him some, but he's pretty productive in that New England offense for three years. And it was a pretty crappy New England offense, especially the past couple. That's who I would sort of prioritize. I, I think he's the kind of splitting it where you're not going to have to pay huge, huge money for a guy like Dalton Schultz. And I, I do think that he could command a, a pretty hefty contract this offseason. Um, but other options outside of Hunter Henry and Schultz, Noah Fant, Gerald Everett, who they've passed on. I don't necessarily think they'll be in on Everett, but you never know. And then you're kind of going down the line. Austin Hooper, Mike Gesicki. They had a chance at Mike Gesicki last year as well. He would have been much better than Irv Smith Jr. And, and what they asked Irv to do, I think Gesicki could have done. So just a, another name to watch, even though it didn't really feel like they were in on him or in on Dalton Schultz last offseason. You do wonder if they would look at those guys this offseason and, and be in on them in free agency. And you know they're kicking themselves for the way the draft went and not getting one of those guys in the draft that they Laporta. wanted to get in the draft where Laporta. they went. I don't even think it's Laporta. I don't think they were close to drafting Laporta in the first round. I mean, they were – I shouldn't say that. I think they were closer than a lot of people think to drafting Laporta in the first round, but not – They were closer close. than they were to taking Mayer, put it that way. And a lot of people yes. in town talk about Michael Mayer. They would have taken Kincaid like it was close. Yeah, just they, they would have taken Kincaid in the first round, yep. for sure. And I think that he would have been a fine player. But you talk about this year's group of free agents, group of free agent tight ends. Dalton Schultz, I think, earned himself some money. He might have priced himself out of the Bengals market. And they should have probably done the Dalton Schultz deal last year. Yes. Oh. Oh. I couldn't figure out at the time why he would want to go to Houston. Turns out. He got to play in the playoffs with Houston. A lot of that because Joe Burrow got hurt, of course. Hunter Henry, I think, is an interesting buy-low candidate because of his age and because of his obscurity, I guess, in, in a New England offense that, to your point, James, has not been very good. You might be able to get him for a little bit less than you otherwise could for a player with his pedigree. He's also missed some time in his career. Uh, he hasn't played over 800 snaps in the last three years, the closest he got was high two, high 700s, 2021, 2022. But for comparison's sake, Dalton Schultz had his fewest snaps in a season in 2023 at 817. Prior to that, at least 100 more snaps per year than Hunter Henry in, in his previous couple of years. So Henry has missed some time in those years or hasn't been on the field for you know 100% of New England snaps most of the time. Brad Spielberger projecting him at two years, $6 million per year. That's the kind of investment where you could see the Bengals making that deal where a guy like Noah Fant, who's a little bit younger, who has the draft pedigree still there, who has the athletic tools, who I think is primed for a second contract breakout, is projected to get three years at $9 million a year. So $3 million more per year. But Noah Fant is kind of the prototypical second contract breakout candidate at tight end. And we talk a lot about how tight end can take some time in the NFL. I think 2023's draft class spoiled some people and, and lifted expectations for the position in general. It was a freaky good class. It generally takes tight end some time to come into their own in the NFL. There's a long history of that. And Noah Fant really stands out in that regard. Outside of that, it's just a bunch of role players, really, at mm -hmm. tight end. And a bunch of guys that are going to make between $1 and $3 million dollars and none of them are guys that you would get very excited about. They could be role players for sure, but none of them are tight end one candidates. And I think that's what we're asking about here with a way to bolster 
the tight end room, assuming that they can bring back a guy like Drew Sample along with Tanner Hudson, who both would have clear roles, even if they did sign an external TE1. Yeah, I I know Noah fans really popular. I would not sign him to that deal. He's done, he's shown, and, and I love the idea of and if they do, I could totally see the the path to where it works in Cincinnati, and he's that type of guy. But why would they go nine million a year on a guy who didn't have a touchdown catch last year? And you could say, all right, well, he's he's had eighty plus catches combined over the past two years, over eight hundred yards over the past two seasons. I think you can find his production for less. Now, maybe you see something on film where you're like, hey, he can be that stud. To your point. But it better be obvious, and you better be right, because that that's defensive tackle money, that, where you can get a really good free agent defensive tackle for for nine million per. And I, I don't think Henry would cost that. Uh, I I think there would be a lot of players I would be willing to go with for less because of it, because of and I get prioritizing tight end and all of that debate, all of those things. But this might be the off season where you have to go and get. Someone that doesn't cost nine million dollars a year—that's heck, averaging eleven yards a catch and and hasn't had a touchdown in, in more than a calendar year. The thing about Noah Fant, what he does for you is he adds dynamism that they don't have. He adds field stretching that they don't have. And if they were to have Sample and Hudson in the room as well, that's where the fit would be. We'll see what the money works out to be. And I understand the. They said that about Irv Smith Jr. too, though. You know, they really did. Irv Smith Jr. didn't have the pedigree. That, that Noah Fant did. And that that pre-draft evaluation, whatever they thought of Noah Fant going into that draft when he was a consensus first-round talent, that will play a factor here as well. Coming up next, more on team building. Ideal draft positions. We'll probably talk more about tight end, like which position they should take in which round and different approaches to roster building. A lot more to get to here coming up next. Noah Fant is living off that first-round pedigree. DoorDash needs to be your first-round pick this weekend. That's right, DoorDash. Why? Because you don't want to have to leave your house. We're supposed to get some snow on Friday in Cincinnati, and, well, you can get your favorite food, your favorite snacks delivered right to your door without having to leave. And that's the best part about it. Whether it's City Bird, whether it's Skyline, whether it's your favorite snacks, anything in between, pizza, wings, whatever you're craving, DoorDash is going to have it. And it's an all-in-one app. So like I said, from groceries to flowers, anything in between, maybe you forgot the Valentine's Day flowers, Jake. All right, we'll get to DoorDash, have them delivered while we're recording. It's okay. They'll leave them at your door. They won't knock if you tell them not to knock. So there you go. They won't disrupt the recording either, and they won't disrupt you. So whether it's a watch party, whether it's a do anything party, whether it's a it's snowing outside and you don't want to leave, you got to get DoorDash today. Football season may be over, but DoorDash is perfect for you. DoorDash, your door to more. Head to DoorDash and the DoorDash app to get everything you need delivered directly to you. Again, the DoorDash app to get everything you need delivered to you. Let's continue our conversation here, James. And I, I do think that the last thought I have on Noah Fant is the age is going to bump his price up. The productivity, I know the touchdowns are a big difference between him and Hunter Henry. The productivity is relatively close between those guys from a pure stats perspective. The skill yeah. sets, though, very different. Where you're going to use them, very different. How you're going to use them, very different. And age, I think, is probably the biggest factor in that Brad Spielberger projection. For sure. 
so someone can pay for Noah Fant. That's where I would be. I'm just I'm just letting people know where that's where I would be. Honestly, right now. very unlike you to not want to take the risk on the high end athlete with with the field stretch. Because Hunter Henry's better. Hunter Henry could be a pro bowler for the Bengals this coming year. So can Noah Fant. Yep, but Hunter Henry's cheaper, and we're pretending 29 is old when they're going to franchise tag T. Higgins, which we'll get to. They're going to go all in on T. Higgins, but then pay Noah Fant premium money when I can use that elsewhere. Nah, I'm good. Noah, go prove it somewhere else. Enjoy, I don't know, enjoy wherever, whoever's paying you that. Enjoy James Seattle. does not like second contract breakout athletic tight ends. You heard it here first. Let's talk ideal. You got to show it. You got to show me. How, that's not how tight end works. That's what I'm trying. Anyway, let's that talk is how about, it works. Ask the Cardinals, Trey McBride. It, it, it's it's not just last year. I mean, let's talk it's, about it's, ideal it's, it's draft positions and move it on. Is. How would you address the first three rounds of the draft position wise and ideal scenarios with the knowledge that T is ready to go for the Bengals for the 2024 season opener? That question comes from Tyler. I would take tight end 18 when Brock Bowers is there because he'll actually produce during his rookie deal. Okay, now I'm done. I think uh, ideally you're looking at at least one trench pick, and that's probably at 18. It's going to be really hard, though. Everyone's got these mocks, and we've done these on our Mock Draft Mondays, where it's offensive tackle, and then it's defensive tackle. Or it's defensive tackle, and then it's offensive tackle. And odds are that's not going to happen. It's just it's going to be really hard for that to happen. Maybe it does. Maybe it falls the right way where the Bengals really like the position they didn't address in round one. There's a guy there at round two that addresses that, whether it's offensive tackle or defensive tackle. I think that's unlikely. So in a realistic, ideal world, I think it will be one of those two. So let's just say tackle. And then in round two, it will be wide receiver. In round three, you're wide open where... It could be running back. It could be tight end. It could be receiver if you don't address it in round two. It could be a, a bunch of different ones. But to me, much like offensive tackle, wide receiver, especially with what the Bengals will likely be looking for, I think it will get, I don't even want to say shallow, but they're, they're more picky about wide receiver than I think some realize. And so I don't think they'll look at it and say, oh, we can get, T. Higgins' future replacement or our future outside wide receiver, wide receiver two on day three. And we really, really like this guy now, and we don't know who's going to be there in round three. I could totally see them using pick 49 on a wide receiver. Yeah, I think this answer will change based on free agency. Sure. This one more than, more than most. I mean, Brock Bowers versus an offensive tackle could change based on free agency as well. Yep. All of these questions could could change (laughs) in free agency. Well, I was thinking, especially if they pay like Mike and Wenu, then you're not having a tackle. And then it's like a no-brainer, even more than it might already be, depending on who you are and and how you think about, you know, roster building and where they should spend money. Um, But position-wise to me in this draft, where the strengths are and where the Bengals' needs are is going to be a very interesting thing to monitor throughout free agency in the combine because go ahead real quick i I think it's the one position just like if they go after and when or they go after defensive tackle free agency i don't know if they're going to be really in on wide receiver free agents much Mm -hmm. and so that impacts it too to your point yeah 
And and we know that they like to draft a year ahead for replacement. So if they franchise tag T. Higgins and that's it, you, you shouldn't rule out wide receiver in the first two days of the draft. I think ideally, and, and there are some great receivers in this class and will certainly be some worthy of that pick 18 that, that could be available to the Bengals and the second round pick, I think. Ideally, in the first round, though, to me, you're taking advantage of one of the strongest tackle classes we've seen in years and, and getting a high-end good athlete with upside who can anchor your offensive line and not cost a lot of money. You get more athletic, you get cheaper, you get younger. All in one fell swoop, and hopefully you also get better, obviously, if you're spending your first-round pick on a tackle. That's something that you can't always do in the draft, and the Bengals have an opportunity to do this. You can also make that argument for a guy like Byron Murphy or Jerzon Johnny Newton, a defensive tackle where they haven't had a guy like that for years, and I just talked with Mike Petralia on his podcast about how the Bengals and most teams could really use a guy like Chris Jones, that interior disruptor, mm-hmm. and the Bengals don't have that right now. So I'm probably thinking about one of those two positions in the first and maybe second rounds, but I don't think the quality tackle is going to be there in the second round who has right tackle experience in particular. So the second round is where it opens up to me a little bit, and you know, if you're talking wide receiver, if you're talking a defensive tackle who has fallen or a Tavondre Sweat, or you're talking about maybe a tight end, then I'm probably okay with a lot of those options. It's hard for me to, to pigeonhole positions in each round, but ideally, yeah. I think you're you're saying top end tackle first round, defensive tackle who can start for you second round, and, and there's something there, or wide receiver mm-hmm. who has fallen second round or tight end second round. And then, like you said, James, you're pretty open in the third round to whatever it is. It could be a tight end. It could be a defensive tackle because I think where defensive tackle in the second round isn't as strong, that kind of comes back up in the third round for for those role player kind of guys who are not going to necessarily be three down players but are situational players and and guys with upside. But for me in this draft, James, you know, the question is about what positions – and and to me, it's more just get the best player. Sure. Yeah. And and I, they need to find these great players, even if they've already got good players to those positions. You can't shy away from drafting a great player. Agreed. Agreed. That because that's what they're missing. It's the pool of great in that organization has has gotten a little more shallow, and uh, will likely continue uh, until they draft uh, exactly how they should. I I just think. They're going to target something in free agency. They're going to make it a priority. I think it will be defensive tackle because it isn't as deep as, as offensive tackle is in the draft. And so ideally, I, I would say that it will line up well if you spend on veteran defensive tackles that you're able to get that stud, that Amarius Mims-type guy. Hopefully that's what he is, by the way, at 18. And then there's probably going to be a wide receiver that you really like in, in round two. If I had to guess today, could change. Maybe one of these defensive tackles does fall. I don't think that Tavondre Sweat is going to be there at 49. Uh, some of these offensive tackles I don't think will be there at 49. And, and that's part of my prediction, so to speak. And then I, I do think things open up in round three and beyond, where you could see offensive line, defensive line mm-hmm. being addressed again, safety, corner. And, and so there we go. But we still have more of your questions to get to, and we will get to them coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by Nissan. Are you the kind of driver that likes to push things a little further? Ever wonder what adventure could be like around your next corner? 
our friends at Nissan have a lineup of SUVs with the capabilities to take your adventure to the next level. Let's start with the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Rogue. It's perfect for city drives, great escapes, and it has a 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system. So guess what? You can stream Locked on Bengals right from your Nissan Rogue or the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. It has room up to eight with 284 horsepower and up to 6,000 pounds of towing when adventure calls, the Pathfinder is there to answer. And the 24 Nissan Armada, it will change what you expect from a full-size SUV. It's a rugged 4x4 that can seat up to eight, but also has first-class luxury and style. Take the Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada and find your next big adventure. Shop NissanUSA.com. Got a quick question to hit before we dive into roster building approaches, James. Yeah. And Jeff Smith at Vienna Jeff 60, frequent mailbag submitter. What are three players that you're most interested in seeing how they perform at the NFL combine? Jackson Powers Johnson is probably as high up there as any because I, I want to see. We know he's got good size, 320 plus pounds. Can he? be that elite athlete. Because if so, like if he tests elite, then I think he's very much in play at 18. And you, you could look at it and say, man, if you could get him, how how big of a help would it be? Especially if they don't love every single one of these offensive tackles. So I think he could play his way into that conversation for them, even though he's an interior lineman. I mentioned Amarius Mims. I think it's he's a really intriguing prospect. The more I learn about him, hasn't started a lot of games but looks like he's got that he's got the look of of the guy that could be one of those stabilizing offensive linemen for the next decade certainly the next 5 years in that entire rookie deal plus so could he be someone that that tests really well and and is in in line despite the lack of playing time and he could test out of being there at pick 18 by the way um every wide receiver of course why wouldn't i be interested and then Brock Bowers, I'm not sure if he'll go at the combine, probably go at the pro day. I'll combine that in there. I do want to see it. I, I want to see how he moves in, in, in how he tests, rather, just to, to make sure. But I think that there aren't many boxes he needs to check uh, to, to be a, a top pick in this draft, for sure, and clearly the top tight end. Yeah, for me, I, I like those. I like J.C. Latham as well, who yeah. is yep. massive. And if he moves well at his size, then that should assuage any concerns people have about his athleticism. I think that he could move well at his size. Like, if he weighs in at 340, that's light for him. And that means that he has lost weight to move better. So it'll be really interesting to see where he weighs in. Can you imagine if he moves well at 350 and you're just like, oh, my oh, God, yeah. J.C. Like, Latham? Yeah. Like it's going to be really interesting to see his combine. I mean, the tackles this year in general are going to be fascinating. Kingsley Suamatia could go in there yeah. and blow up the combine at 330 and with his 34 inch arms at, at just six four, by the way. Not great tackle height. I think you know that's that's around average for tackle height, but has those crazy long arms. There's some tackles that are going to be worth watching, I think. And and the measurements for some tackles who are being projected to guard will be interesting as well. I watched a bunch of the six four wide receivers yesterday, James, and Adonai Mitchell, A.D. Mitchell from Texas, put on some incredible tape against Alabama in Texas's first game last year. Very interested to see how he runs. Keon Coleman, another guy at 6'4", who doesn't look like a burner, but interested to see 
his total profile of athletic testing to see what his jumps are, what his explosion looks like, what his 10-yard split looks like. And I think Brian Thomas is going to put on a show at the yeah. combine to wrap up. The the 6'4 receivers, not named Marvin Harrison. And also to see if those guys are actually 6'4". That'll be interesting. But all of those guys, very interesting if you're looking for T. Higgins replacements in this draft. Thomas could easily, like, and I know people aren't, really in on this right now he could easily test his way into being in consideration at 18. so like i, I don't I, I don't think that that's insane and if he runs a four so it, it's wild joe burrow has this guinness commercial with joe montana where they're sitting in the stands he's like six four 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 guy big and fast they don't make him like that and it's like well if brian thomas runs a four three three at six four two fifteen then he's going to be on the bengals radar for sure he was apparently clocked on GPS by LSU at over 22.3 miles per hour, which would have been the Shoot. fastest the fastest ball carrier in the NFL was DK Metcalf, just a hair short, or slower than that. So the GPS numbers for, for Brian Thomas suggest some upside there. Th that's also going to be interesting. Than, that's faster than Jamar, by the way. Jamar's never been clocked at, at four or, or at 22 miles per hour. He told us that this year, and he ran yeah. a 438 just to give you an idea. Yeah, and we'll see how it translates to the 40, but there, there's some defensive tackles that'll be worth watching as well. Byron Murphy, Jerzon Newton, Tavondre Sweat, we've mentioned all of those guys, but Rook or Hororo, probably butchering that name. There's cool. a lot of O's, R's, and H's in Do it again. that name. Nope. And Michael Hall from Ohio State, both of those oh, guys. You go with the easy name. He, is a, he could play his yeah. way into to pick 49. Michael Hall could. That's all I got for combine guys, James. A lot of yeah. guys that are going to be interesting to watch. Though. For sure. Definitely a lot of guys that are going to be interesting to watch. All right, let's uh, keep going, get into the roster building. And this comes from Whitney in South Carolina. If T. Higgins is franchise tagged, how does drafting a wide receiver in the first or second round affect his trade value in a tag and trade scenario? And Tyler also asking about T. Higgins. He said, I agree on wanting T long-term, but Seeing Kansas City win a championship with one elite receiving tight end and Alito line and great defense give you second thoughts thoughts. I know it won't happen, but I think I take Chris Jones over T. Higgins. Yeah, and along the same lines, T Low 67 with a question about does the Super Bowl show us that big money, a defensive line, corner, QB, more offensive line and and than any other group in the Hall of Fame, should those be the positions you're building through? So some questions about T. Higgins' value here and, and approaches to roster building when you've got the quarterback and a ace wide receiver receiving threat, whether it's tight end or run, or wide receiver in, in Jamar Chase. Uh, starting with Whitney's question about the franchise tag and, and T's trade value, I think if you get to the draft and T. Higgins is still on the team, the odds of him being traded are infinitesimally small smaller than they already are. I think if you get to that point, there's almost no chance that the T Higgins gets traded just because that cap money will have been accounted for. They're through free agency at that point, And they would, they would need to find some other way to spend that money at that point. And that would be hard. If there's a player involved, if it's a player swap, maybe that can make sense at that point. If you can match up with another position that has a surplus at a position where you need it. But I, I think the odds of T Higgins getting traded by the time the draft comes around, are so small that whether or not they draft a receiver in the first or second round wouldn't it, wouldn't affect his trade value. Yeah, it's different. It's not the Jonah Williams situation last year where I think the draft really did make an impact, where if they, say, take an Anton Harrison at 28, they would have probably been open 
are more open to a Jonah deal. And it didn't fall their way. It didn't go that way. So they kept Jonah for, for obvious reasons. And they weighed its value anyways, but they needed a starting right tackle. So to your point, I agree with you. I think that this is something that kind of goes with Jeff's question that I'll be monitoring at the combine. How much are the Bengals? And, and they're not going to say that they're, that they'll probably still be kicking the tires at the combine on, on what mm-hmm. they're going to do with T and not necessarily have answers. Maybe they tag him by then uh, because they, they can this Tuesday starting at four, but they could also tag him and have their mind made up by the time the draft rolls around. So I think they need to make this decision earlier rather than later. And that's why the combine does matter. If they see a Brian Thomas and they're like, man, if he's there at 18, he can be the next T, but let's, let's see what we can get for him. I don't think it's that simple, that cut and dry, of course, because you can't just bank on one option, but I do think it matters how many wide receivers they think are in this draft that could come in and give them high end production alongside Jamar Chase. Yeah. I think it's an interesting question for sure, but I would be surprised if they get to that point and, and decide to trade T, even if they did draft Brian Thomas in the first round, just because unless it's a player for player trade, I think that you you would have this gap on the salary cap situation where you would just have these 20, $21 million unaccounted for. It would be the the Jefferson hypothetical. That would be what would have to happen. And, like and draft day. have three receivers no 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 i'm saying like if if you realize like if you tag t and you're going into the draft and you realize that jefferson can be had i got you then and and then you would turn that into an extension yeah 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 yeah, no doubt yeah got it uh as far as tyler's question and we could play we could play wide receiver three in that offense because they're not even going to cover the slot because you got to worry about Justin and, and J- Jamar. Outside of the realm of high fantasy, Tyler and Tilo 67's questions about uh, roster building and the wide receiver versus the rest of the team kind of approach. I think this is what's so fascinating about it is I don't think there's actually a right answer here. I think that we've talked a lot about the benefits of keeping T Higgins versus tag and trade T Higgins and using that money elsewhere because those are both viable paths forward. I, I don't know that there's a cut and dry answer here. Part of what makes it complicated is see Higgins' injury history and the fact that he hasn't been able to stay on the field for a whole season. If you could guarantee 100% of snaps for T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow together, Paul Daner did a good job of illustrating in his series going on at The Athletic right now what happens when all three guys are on the field at the same time for the Bengals when everybody's healthy. Last year, they were the best offensive in the NFL when that happened, but that was only three games. And so that whole thing factors into the decision And that's just what happens when you invest a lot of money into a specific player. That player needs to stay healthy because that player should be critical to your chances of success. We saw that with Joe Burrow last year when they lost Joe. Any real playoff aspirations, I know they hung in there, did dwindle significantly. And that's what makes this question and conversation so interesting. Like, yeah, you can build through the trenches and get there. Yeah, you can build through the secondary and get there. And we've seen teams do it in the past. And you can do that when you have the quarterback, and the Bengals do, and that's what makes this an open conversation and gives the Bengals a lot of flexibility in terms of how they do want to go ahead and build their roster for the next few years. Sure, no doubt. And this idea that they should just not have the, the cheat. We've we'll talk about this, and you're right. There's no perfect answer, but I think the Chiefs are the the perfect example of you can be flawed and still overcome it and win a Super Bowl. 
And the Bengals were really close to doing that. The Chiefs have done it. And so looking now, how can the Bengals get better in key areas? They need to do what you said earlier in the episode. Draft studs at specific positions, even if they have good players there. That's something that the Chiefs have done in their secondary. They have multiple studs there now. They have multiple studs on the interior of their offensive line. They had paid Joe Tooney, and they still added Creed Humphrey and, and Trey Smith. It's hard to do that, but it would be really nice. Maybe maybe Haynes from Connecticut is that next stud interior lineman. Maybe it is Jackson Powers Johnson. I don't know. But even that, a position that the Bengals haven't historically valued, it would be really nice to have an elite guy in that uh, interior. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily the blueprint that the Bengals need to copy. But I, I do think that adding studs to your team is always a good thing, which is what the Chiefs have done over the past couple of years. Yeah, you don't have to follow it position for position and line by line, but you can follow the approach. And and I think that's what you're saying. And, and I think that is interesting. But it's also very interesting that the Chiefs have really built through the middle of the trenches where Chris Jones is their centerpiece, was, is their centerpiece on defense. And the interior offensive line is where they've built around their offense. And I think that that shows that there's not just one way to do it. The 49ers on the other side really attack the edges and the entire defensive line. Eric Armstead on the inside, no slouch either. The Eagles, another example of just trenches, 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 trenches. And then they went out and got the receivers to go with it. So it is an entire team-building approach. There's not one way to do it. But the bottom line is you need great players to go with your great centerpiece quarterback. You do. And, heck, the Eagles' defensive line – it did not work down the stretch. It was wild how much it didn't work. So not not this year, but you know they were well, yeah. right there. We'll, we'll we'll see if they, if they can recover and, and figure it out. But yeah, I do think the Chiefs' part is interesting. All this tackle talk, their tackles, they could have used Orlando Brown Jr. Right, and they've spent a lot of money over the past couple of years on offensive tackle, and and I still don't know if they've fully solved it to the the level that they've wanted to. So it's an example. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to figure it out. But the, the Bengals certainly need to. Especially when you're consistently drafting at the end of the round, which is where the Bengals have been previous to this year, which is why earlier I mentioned you have this opportunity to get that upside, a tackle, and a very, very good tackle class. It's going to be interesting to see how free agency plays out. We'll continue to have a lot of these conversations. We appreciate all of you for sending in questions for this episode. And until next time, Thanks for listening to this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Hootay, and have a good one.